0: What's going on Dolphins fans Kyle Krabs locked on Dolphins today is Friday October 14th 2022 we are getting ready for week six Dolphins Vikings here today on the show we're going to talk about the path for the Dolphins to come away with their fourth win of the season.
1: You are locked on Dolphins your daily Miami Dolphins podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day.
0: What's going on Dolphins fans, Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it here on the Locked On Network. Today is Friday, October 14th. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked On NFL. Thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today on the show, it's Friday. It's game week. It's Vikings week, which of course means we are uh, we're going to start or we're going to focus today on the game plan to beat Minnesota and some of the the personnel strengths and weaknesses. And we kind of dipped into some of this yesterday with the crossover with Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings. Definitely recommend you guys check that out. But before we get into game planning stuff, there, there is some news across the NFL space that I think is very important for us to quickly touch on because I am usually not a Dolphins trade for player X elsewhere across the league type of mentality. Uh, But there is a player who has had reported this week a desire to be traded elsewhere across the league who succeeds and excels in all of the ways that the Dolphins want to play coverage. Talking about Washington Commanders defensive back cornerback William Jackson. As a young player, uh, William Jackson is is still in the physical prime. Eh, he's thirty years old, so he's he's kind of in that that cusp of the guys that that you have right now, and Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. But of course, the Dolphins and what they've had to do defensively has been so dramatically changed by the continued absence of Byron Jones which has continued to exceed the expectations of the team initially. The team expected Byron Jones would be back uh, for the start of the season. did did happen. PUP. Well, PUP term came and went, and Byron Jones still can't play. Like, Byron Jones can't even practice. So, if I'm the Dolphins, you have a corner who excels in man coverage, does very well in press man specifically. And you think about what the Dolphins have and have not been able to do this year in coverage. I'm really interested here. And there's some some financial details for William Jackson that I think further make him uh, an interesting player. So I wanted to make sure we covered this now because as this storyline unfolds and before we see the Dolphins play the Vikings, we know or we can generally anticipate what they are doing defensively is not what ideally it would look like. Because again, you don't have a highly paid corner at your disposal. Well, Kyle, do you want to bring in a third highly paid corner? That's where it gets interesting. So William Jackson signed ahead of the 2021 season last year, not this offseason, last offseason, signed a three-year $40.5 million contract with Washington. That included a $15 million signing bonus with $26 million guaranteed and an annual salary of $13.5 million per player. This season, for the Commanders, William Jackson carries a cap hit of $10.8 million. Or excuse me, of $13.8 million. His cash is $10.8 million. But the way that this contract was structured, William Jackson got $10.8 million in cash More than half of that was paid out on the third day of the calendar year in 2022, back in March, in the form of a roster bonus. $5.56 million paid out as a roster bonus already paid. That's more than half the cash. So I'm not a math guy, but if you're owed $10.8 million and you've already been paid more than half of it, William Jackson's remaining, like his base salary for this season is $5 million. You've already played a third of the season. So the Dolphins, from this point on, if they were to acquire William Jackson, you're not responsible for $10.8 million in cash. You're responsible for the prorated amount of the base salary, $5 million, that's left to be paid out. 2023 next year is the last year of his contract. And while Washington decided they wanted to put several void years on the back end of the contract, which means he's not under contract, but they're still incurring cap hits. It's not a good way of doing business. Um, 2023 is the last year of his contract. He gets a 3.25 million dollar roster bonus if he's on his The team that has his contract, this contract, the third day of the calendar year in 2023. So the Dolphins would not have to make a decision on whether or not to retain William Jackson until the third day of the league year in 2023. And at that point, he would be owed several million dollars in a roster bonus. His base salary for that year is nine and a quarter million dollars. But he has none of that 2023 salary. That is guaranteed money. So the Dolphins could trade for this player now. He could play very well and the Dolphins could say, hey, we want to play with William Jackson for another year. Maybe we transition away from Byron Jones or the Dolphins could say, hey, we swung the bat on a guy who excels in man coverage. Um, Financially, we don't want to commit to another 30 year old corner. And at the end of the year, you can part ways with William Jackson and owe him zero dollars in guaranteed money. That to me is very interesting for a corner who's playing out of position in a zone-based defense in Washington who wants to come play man coverage somewhere. The Dolphins have an obvious glaring need at outside corner because we don't know when Byron Jones will be back. Now, if the Dolphins don't do this, it should serve as some indication that, hey, maybe uh, Byron Jones is close to turning the corner and coming back. But we don't have any of that information right now. We're flying totally blind as it pertains to William Jackson or as it pertains to Byron Jones. And because of that, I hear William Jackson's available. And you might hear, oh, he's getting $10.8 million this year. More than half of that's already been paid. Like 60% of that has been paid. So you don't even have to clear some monumental amount of salary cap space. Now, what would it cost to get it done? probably a day three pick. The Dolphins don't have their four uh, as things currently stand. They have a one, used to be two ones. They have a one from San Francisco. They have a two, they have two threes. They sent their four as a part of the Tyree Kill trade and they have a five and they have one sixth one of the two sixths went to Kansas City as part of the Tyreek Hill trade as well. So you've got a five, a six, and a seven on day three. And quite frankly, with the state of the Dolphins roster and the state of the Dolphins corner room and the competitiveness that we believe that the Dolphins can have as a team this year, trading one of those draft picks for William Jackson, I think would give the Dolphins better value than anything that they're going to find law of averages, of course, uh, at that juncture in the draft next year. I would do it. I would absolutely do it. And if you don't, the only reason you don't is if you feel like Byron Jones is going to play in the next two weeks. So food for thought. Uh, Again, usually I I definitely wanted to carve some time out to talk about this because I'm usually pretty anti-trade for player from other teams. But as I sat down and I looked at the contract and I I looked at William Jackson's performance in man coverage and what the Dolphins have and the financial implications and the flexibility that is maintained if you do bring this player in and he either performs to expectations or does not perform to expectations, I'm sitting here like, I don't know, I I can't find a reason not to do it unless the price is too high. Somebody else wants to throw away a day two pick. And on those day two picks for the Dolphins are especially important because you lost a one. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager on your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring on LinkedIn. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL draft. Check out mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.
0: So let's, let's talk about the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings are a team that as we talked about with Luke Braun yesterday on crossover Thursday, uh, has some more holes than their 4-1 record would indicate. Um, this does not guarantee the Dolphins a win, and uh, certainly with the Dolphins starting their third-string quarterback, a seventh-round rookie, uh, there, there's no warm and fuzzies about this game. I think if the Dolphins were a little bit healthier, I'd feel really good about the Dolphins' opportunities to win this game. But the Dolphins need a couple of things uh, to go their way in order to, to secure a win. And the first thing is that whatever game plan Mike McDaniel has been working on all week that he did not want to um, put in jeopardy by having a late week change in the quarterback position. This needs to be the best schemed game plan that the dolphins have to this point. And I'll say this, the, the, Minnesota defense with Ed Donatel as the defensive coordinator and these aging corners that they have and Patrick Peterson. And then a bunch of guys, um, who quite frankly, athletically don't scare you in a Caleb Ellen Evans and Cameron Dantzler, Shannon Sullivan in the slots, a very good football player. Uh, but even their saf- their safeties aren't dynamic either. Uh, their, their dynamic safety Louis Sean was a first round pick and, uh, broke his leg in London. He's out for the year. So you got Harrison Smith who was drafted all the way back in 2012. He's a step slower. He's a very instinctual player. Uh, Cameron Bynum, Josh Metellus, uh, like the, the athleticism advantage for the Dolphins on the perimeter is huge. How do you get the ball there? Right? That's the big question. That's the big question for the Dolphins. And if it's me, and it's not, but if it's me, uh, I'm probably running a lot of perimeter screen game. Uh, I'm looking to very quick, like catch and release, catch the snap, throw, release, get the ball to the perimeter. Um, Minnesota is a team that plays a lot of what is referred to as quarter, quarter, half coverage. So you've got two deep defenders that are responsible for half the field and they take one quarter and the other quarter. And then the player either to the field or the boundary, depending on how they want to choose to defend and space. The field is responsible for the other half of the field. So you technically have three deep players. It's a hybrid of cover two and cover four. Cover six is, is kind of the layman's term for it. Um, that should give you, theoretically, a lot of room on the perimeter to get the ball into Jalen Waddell's hands and Tyree Hill's hands. You want to run screens with the backs. You've got a young quarterback. I don't know that I'm asking him to make too many coverage reads. I want to get him outside the pocket. I want to get him on the run where you can stretch – and create voids in coverage. Uh, I'm definitely trying to move the launch point. Minnesota does have Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith, who I expect will play. Uh, He's been a little banged up, Uh, but those two pass rushers are pretty good. So you want to move the pocket. You don't want to have him be stationary in the pocket. And I think that that's really, you think about this stretch of game for the Dolphins, the Cincinnati game, they entered with Tua. There was a lot of moving pockets with Tua. And then Teddy comes in, and Teddy's not really effective at that at all, right? And then they spend the whole week for the Jets game planning to have Teddy, who's not effective at that. And then he leaves on the first play, and then you get to play the whole game with a quarterback whose skill set more closely mirrors Tua. The, this whole dance that we are playing, and we did it last year with Tua and Jacoby Brissett, is, is a really hard way to game plan week to week. So I respect the thought process. I respect the thought process but you would better take care of it because if you don't and Teddy Bridgewater can dress and he's the backup, there will certainly be questions about why are you paying Teddy Bridgewater this kind of money? What was the thought process to go with an inexperienced seventh round rookie over your 60 plus game starter at quarterback? Uh, Who's your backup? There better be some schematic reasons as to why. And that's, Whether or not they work, okay. Yeah, like I'm going to be real bitter if we lose, but at the same time, you know, you'll have played the last two and a half games without your starting quarterback. And we've seen what the potential looks like when the offense is healthy. So if we go back to net zero, we understand, hey, we just lost three games and we played them in all three games without your starting quarterback. You can go back to square one and say, okay, are we healthy? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, then say, okay, everything we want is still out in front of us. And everything that we, we want is still out in front of us. I think this is an important, this isn't a matchup-specific uh, point of reference, but I would like to kind of go through a couple of teams here. Um, the 2021 Buffalo Bills, okay, the, t- the team that you know, probably would have won the AFC if they knew how to defend the fu- full length of the field over 13 seconds. They were seven and six, at one point last year. December twelfth, the Buffalo Bills were seven and six, right? The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the previous year in twenty twenty, when they won the Super Bowl, they were seven and five. On December twelfth, they were seven and five. So I think that this is this is important. Context for the Dolphins started 3-0 and now they've lost two in a row and you're potentially looking at a third in a row because you, you do have Skylar Thompson in those questions and you don't have Byron Jones. So how the defense is going to perform is, is up to question. But I think like that, that's really, I can't impress that enough. Arguably the best team in the league last year the buffalo bills were 7 and 6 in december and the super bowl champions the year before were 7 and 5 in Dece- midway through december so when i say everything you want is still out in front of you it is now does it leave a bad taste in your mouth that you're 3 and 0 and you dare to dream big for the dolphins and now all of a sudden you blink and you're you're 3 and 2 going into a questionable home game on this friday afternoon yeah of course and it's the context in which it happened that really puts the bad taste in your mouth. But I just wanted to make sure I found an excuse to bring that up because that, that, that is an observation that I've had that, Hey, if they're going to play the long game for this season, everything that you want is still out in front of you. Um, but I'm looking for perimeter screens. I'm looking to move the launch point for Skylar Thompson, not asking to make too many reads from the pocket. Uh, and the other thing that, that is paramount for the Dolphins offensively in my mind, and hopefully Austin Jackson's return, and it sounds like that will happen, Austin Jackson's return, hopefully Hunter Long's return too. Like I'm still going to keep pounding the table until until I see it, see it and it, it's not good. You got to win on first down. You got to get good gains on first down. You got to keep Minnesota on their heels, so you got to run the ball effectively on first down. If you do that, I think you set yourself up for a balanced enough attack and getting the ball in your skill players hands enough to be able to win the football game. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport. The fastest and easiest way to check out on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf, head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Defensively, and I know I alluded to this uh, yesterday on the Crossover Podcast. We need the levies to break here from, from a turnover's perspective. We need Kirk Cousins to be a pumpkin. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you guarantee that that happens. Having Xavier Howard back should help. And I do think there's some matchups up front. The Dolphins, one thing they have done very well is that they have fit the run very well. And I think you're going to need to fit against Dalvin Cook and take advantage of the matchup with Garrett Bradbury. You should push that dude around all game. He's a smaller center. He cannot anchor. You should collapse him in Kirk's face. Raquan Davis, I'm talking to you, big guy. Big game. Big opportunity this week for, for Raekwon Davis to have an impact on the game. You got a rookie at right guard in Ed Ingram, who's very green, uh, very inexperienced, and I think Christian Wilkins can give fits to. The matchup with Christian Derisaw is a tough one. He's a good player. I would probably put your vet guys, your Melvin Ingrams on Derisaw, and I would try to run Jalen Phillips at Brian O'Neill, who's a good player, but he's also not quite as stout with his anchor. And I think that that's the opportunities that Jalen has had when he's looked like he's in position to make a play and he hasn't quite gotten all the way through blocks. It's because he doesn't trust his ability to convert power at steep angles. So play him against the lighter anchored player in Brian O'Neill. I would play Jalen off Brian O'Neill's side and I would put Agba and I would put Ingram off against Derrissaw and try and use their crafty experience uh, against a second year offensive tackle that missed time last year. So he's still emerging. Uh, the other thing that I'm doing, or at least I'm starting the game this way, and this is me personally, uh, I am bracketing Justin Jefferson in the same way that the Dolphins committed to doing so with Jamar Chase. And with the exception of the misread play from Xavier Howard against T. Higgins, that worked very well for the Dolphins until Xavier Howard left the game. In the final quarter. And that's where you saw a couple of hits down the field. But I am utilizing Javon Holland, and that takes away a little bit of his ability to be a true impact player, yes. But if you can neutralize Justin Jefferson as best as you possibly can by truly bracketing him and playing him with a safety over the top and your second corner in coverage, and then you put Xavier Howard on Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen's a good player. But Adam Thielen is not the Adam Thielen of five years ago, and Adam Thielen is not the not T. Higgins. You can really make living hard in the passing game if you have success with Javon shaded over Jefferson, especially with inside leverage, so he cuts all those crossers across the middle of the field. And if you're going to lose this football game, you got to make K.J. Osborne and Irv Smith Jr. be the guys that do it. And if you do that and you get into those depth players, I like Miami's chances to have success defensively. But that's, that's the path for me. That would be my plan from a personnel standpoint. Um, they're going to have to walk the tightrope between pressure situations and tight coverage and, and avoiding giving up big plays down the field. Um, they're going to have to win the turnover battle. it has been a minute. No, the Dolphins have have not found success hawking the football, and that needs to change, especially with some of the talent that the Dolphins have in the secondary. So that's... um. That's the main talking points. We, we covered William Jackson. We talked about everything that the Dolphins have in front of them, regardless of win or loss. I still want to go back to club dub though. And I know all of you do too. And I certainly know the Dolphins as a team do. So let's hope that that happens on Sunday. Fin's up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. Thanks for checking out the show. Make it a great weekend. Enjoy all the football that is ahead. And I will talk to you after Dolphins Vikings on Sunday.